Welcome to the Redeem and Regenerated Podcast. This is Alex Mateo, and I am your host. To live is Christ, and to die is gain. This is an expository apologetics podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to proclaim the gospel while also answering objections with the power of God's word. I will speak the truth in love while remaining committed to be real, raw, bold, and unashamed in defending the Christian faith. I'm not here to please man or tickle people's ears. If I were here for the approval of man, our culture, or this world, then I wouldn't be a servant of God who has called me to preach. I won't tell you what you want to hear. I will tell you what you need to hear. I will tell you the truth and only the truth. But what is the truth? The Bible is the truth. It is the word of God. It is inerrant, sufficient, and authoritative. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as a division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Hebrews 4.12 Today's episode is called Lost and Found. I will be sharing my testimony of how God's amazing grace saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let's get started. My journey on this road to the redemption begins about 33 years ago in Mexico City, Mexico, where I was born. God's word in Jeremiah 1.5 says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Psalm 139, 13-14 says, For you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. When my mom became pregnant with me, my father gave her two choices, to have an abortion or to become a single mother. By God's grace and according to his will, my mom chose life. My earthly father abandoned me and rejected me, but God the Father chose me and protected me. As most people who are born in Mexico, I was born into a cultural Catholic family. I say cultural because we were not devout Catholics. I did grow up attending church and I was taught about Jesus at an early age. I had the head knowledge of who Jesus was. I believed that he had died to pay for our sins and resurrected, but I was not a true Christian or born again. I did not have a relationship with Christ bear the fruit of salvation, and I had not yet been granted repentance for my sins. At this point in my life, I did not understand my total depravity and my need for a Savior. My childhood years growing up with a single mom were hard. She had to work, and she was absent many times. My mom was battling through her own struggles. She too grew up in a broken family in a toxic environment. My grandfather was an alcoholic. He physically and verbally abused my grandmother and his children. Some of these hurts and hangups my mom suffered bled over into my life and upbringing. In my first few years of life, my mom also struggled with alcohol and anger. She was physically and verbally abusive towards me at times. But by God's grace, love, and mercy, he intervened. He left the 99 and went after my mom to save her. He granted her repentance from her sins. She was redeemed and regenerated. In Luke 15, 1-7, Jesus tells us the parable of the lost sheep, and he says, Now all the tax collectors and the sinners were coming near him to listen to him. Both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable, saying, What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open pasture and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. 
I tell you that in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. After my mom was saved, she began to plan and water God's word in my life. But just as in the parable of the sower in Matthew 13, 22, the seed was sown among the thorns. I heard the word, but the worries and the concerns of this world and the deceitfulness of Satan choked the word and it became unfruitful. When I was about 14 years old, I began to search for my own identity and cope with my own brokenness rooted in a deep father wound. I suffered from a disease that I was born with called sin. Alcohol became my escape. At such a young age, I began to live a lie. I was going to church with my mom, doing well academically, playing sports and even staying out of trouble. But I also began to watch pornography, lust after women and seek the approval of women. I disobeyed God's commandment to wait to have sex until marriage and lost my virginity my senior year in high school. That began a severe struggle with lust and sexual immorality. I believed the lie that God's commandments were outdated in old traditions. This world and culture had taught me that the rite of passage for a boy to become a man was to have sex with as many women as possible. I was completely wrong and so far from the truth. Despite my depravity, I somehow managed to excel academically and was able to graduate number seven on a graduating class of about 500. I was accepted into the University of Texas at Austin. I was 18 years old when I moved to Austin to attend the business school as an incoming freshman. Attending UT was a dream come true. I was not supposed to be there. My mom did not have the money or the resources to send me to college and pay for it, but nevertheless, through hard work, the door was open. As the son of an immigrant single mother who left her family and country of origin in order to provide a better quality of life for us, I was not expected to graduate at the top of my class or get a collegiate education. Instead, I was supposed to belong to the statistics that reveal our father absence crisis. Please listen to these statistics. According to the U.S. Bureau, 18.3 million children, one in four, live without a biological step or adopted father in the home. Consequently, there is a father factor in nearly all the societal ills facing America today. Research shows that when a child is raised in a father absent home, he or she is affected in the following ways. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes five times the average. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes, 32 times the average. 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes, nine times the average. Fatherless boys and girls are twice as likely to drop out out of high school, twice as likely to end up in jail, four times more likely to need help for emotional or behavioral problems, and seven times more likely to become pregnant as teens. I may have not been part of the statistics that predicted that I would end up in jail or dropping out of high school, but I definitely was in prison as a slave to sin. John 8:34 says, Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. Romans 8, 7 says, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Upon arriving at UT, my desire to belong and fit in made me the perfect candidate to join a fraternity. So the spring semester of my freshman year, I pledged and I joined one. The sinful desires within me craved attention, affirmation, and acceptance. I wanted other men to respect me and accept me. I wanted women to like me, notice me, and desire me. I was so broken that I was willing to do anything. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not a victim or will play the victim card. I wanted to belong and be a part of something my entire life. I actually give thanks to God for allowing me to become part of the fraternity because through that experience, I met some of the men that I continue to remain close to and I love dearly. God has a purpose for everything, even our pain and our mistakes. Parents, if you're listening to this podcast, please be aware of the dangers this world and culture will impose on your children when they go off to college, especially if they go unprepared 
in the wisdom of God's word and being a slave to sin like I was. It is as if you were sending your sheep among wolves without a shepherd to discipline and protect them. Please realize that we live in a broken world that is full of lies, dangers, and temptations. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. I can attest this because alcohol, drugs, and women became my idols. I belonged to the devil. I was a liar, a cheater, and a deceiver. When I drank, I would become someone else. I was smooth with my words. I was confident. I was the life of the party. Joining the fraternity offered me all the desires of my simple heart. Women began to notice me, and I became really good at knowing what to say and what to do to get what I wanted. I took pride in womanizing and objectifying women. I went from broken relationship to broken relationship. While continuing to have sex before marriage, I ignored any potential dangers and consequences, such as getting a woman pregnant out of marriage or catching an STD. By God's grace, I did not face either of those consequences, but I very likely could have. John 8:44 says, You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Young adults and teenagers listening to this episode, please hear my cry and supplication of what I'm about to share. I share my grief with the hope that I can plead with all of you to repent, to turn away from your sin, and to turn to God. While in college, I got involved with a girl who was already in a relationship with a guy she had been dating for a few years. We ended up being intimate just twice, and one day she called me to let me know she was pregnant, but she didn't know if it was my child or his. To avoid facing the truth and the consequences of our sin, she told him that it was his child and they decided to have an abortion. Even though it has been over 10 years, my heart breaks and I will never be able to forget this. On this side of attorney, I won't know if that baby boy or girl was mine. But even if he or she was not mine, I still feel great pain and sorrow because I now believe in the sanctity of life and that children are a blessing from the Lord. Psalm 127 3 says, Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Please listen to these statistics of unintended pregnancies from the Gutmatcher Institute that tell the truth. Roughly 121 million unintended pregnancies occurred each year between 2015 and 2019. Of these unintended pregnancies, 61% ended in abortion. This translates to 73 million abortions per year. I truly regret the many bad decisions I made before being saved by Christ and I repent from all of them. I wish I could take back all the hurt and pain that I've caused to myself and more importantly to others. If you're listening to this podcast and I've hurt you in any way through my words or my actions, I sincerely ask you to please forgive me. I own my sin and don't make excuses for it. The truth is that before Christ, I was dead in my trespasses. Ephesians 2, 1-3 says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sense of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. About five years ago, I was ending another broken relationship that had me move to the Midwest for about a year and a half. But God, being rich in mercy, brought me back to Texas. As soon as I moved back, I began to attend a Christian non-denominational church. I heard about a young adult's ministry on Tuesday nights here in Dallas. I began to show up regularly and really enjoyed listening to the sermons, but I was not willing to let go of the world just yet. I had one foot in and one foot out. Going to church on Tuesday nights, 
and then partying in uptown Dallas on the weekends. God's word describes this well in Matthew 6, 24, where Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. My turning point then came on a weekend when I was on vacation in Las Vegas, known to many as Sin City. I got blacked out drunk, got kicked out of a pool party and lost my wallet. Upon my return, I felt empty. I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. That same weekend, I received an email reminder that I had signed up for a young adult church retreat called Launch here at Sky Ranch near Dallas. I ended up attending and I was able to experience true freedom for the very first time in my life. That weekend, the Lord Jesus met me there while I was on my knees and crying out to him. He granted me repentance for my sins through tears of godly sorrow and a contrite heart. I was redeemed and regenerated, born again. I surrendered to his lordship by crying out to him for help and forgiveness. Psalm 51, 17 says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. 2 Corinthians 7:10 says, For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret, leading to salvation, but the sorrow of the world produces death. After Christ saved me that weekend, I returned to Dallas a new creation. I was ready to be all in and only serve one master, the Lord Jesus Christ. I immediately began to read God's word and study it. I became a member of that same local church and I joined a community group. In his grace, God granted me immediate victory over some of my sin struggles. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, I was able to overcome a 14-year struggle with pornography. He also changed my speech and many of my desires. I have been completely sober of alcohol for a little bit over three years. I also had the great privilege to get baptized and declare my new life in Christ publicly. Through God's word, I began to seek forgiveness and to extend it to those who had hurt me. I learned that I could forgive even if people did not ask me to be forgiven, including my biological father. A few months after the Lord saved me, I met my now beautiful wife, Heather. We met at my old job with Lifetime Fitness where I worked at doing sales. She came in shopping for a Lifetime membership and she ended up with a Lifetime husband. In our second conversation, we found out we both belonged to the same church and we exchanged numbers. When we first met, I was not ready to date as I continued to struggle with idolizing a relationship with a woman. She had also been deeply wounded. Her ex-husband was unfaithful to her and divorced her to marry another woman just a month after our son Gabriel was born. We both had a lot of baggage from our past and after struggling with purity, we decided to take some time apart to focus on a relationship with God. As the months went by, we would still run into each other at church or at the gym, but we respected the boundaries we set and patiently waited for God's will and perfect timing. Through one of the testimonies from one of the guys in my small group at church, God softened my heart towards the idea of pursuing Heather for marriage. My selfish hesitations were that she was a single mom and had gone through a divorce. But God reminded me of my own story and brokenness. As a son of a single mother, I desired with all my heart that my mom would marry a godly man that would have adopted me as a son. I realized that God put Heather and Gabriel in my life for a purpose. She loved me and trusted me enough to become a father to her son. After nine months of knowing each other, I finally had the courage to ask her to date me. I told her that my intentions were to marry her. One of my favorite promises of God is found in Joel 2.25. He says, I will restore you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. And he truly has. These last five years of walking with Christ have felt like a decade because God has done so much in our lives. We began to date that November. We got married on August 11, 2019. In less than a year, I became her husband, a father to Gabriel, and a father again to our baby girl, Isabella Grace, who's almost two now. 
And we also just had Selah Grace two weeks ago. God is a good father and he gives good gifts. James 1.17 says, Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. But not everything has been easy or without pain. Far from it. Jesus did not promise our best life now as Smiling Joel likes to preach in my hometown of Houston. He did not promise us health, wealth, and prosperity. He did not preach a men-centered gospel. What he did say is that in this world, we will have trouble. And in almost three years of marriage, we've gone through multiple trials. 1 Peter 4, 7 says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. Our marriage has been difficult, challenging, and attacked by Satan. We both have sinned against one another through our words and actions countless times. We have had to forgive one another. We have also suffered the loss of loved ones. Heather lost both of her grandfathers within two years of each other. My grandma, who was a second mom to me, also went home to the Lord. My uncle, who was only in his late 40s, passed away unexpectedly. And one of my best friends, who was the same age as me, also died in a car accident, all within two years. I also survived a five-car accident on a rainy day that totaled my car. Heather, Isabella, and I were also in another car accident in which an F-150 truck hit us in the back of our SUV while driving straight at us 40 miles an hour at a stoplight. We also suffered a miscarriage a little bit over a year ago at just a few weeks pregnant. But through it all, our hope and trust has been in Christ. In Romans 8.28, God makes an amazing promise and one of my favorites. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. He has been faithful and kept all of his promises. For all these things I've mentioned, both the good and the bad, the joyful and the painful, I praise him and I declare all glory be to God. Perhaps you're familiar with Psalm 23. Listen to what it says. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This story I've had the privilege to share with all of you is one of redemption and regeneration. Only Christ can turn cold into diamonds, sand into pearls, and a caterpillar into a butterfly. He has turned my mess into my message. I close with this. Perhaps you've heard the story of the prodigal son that is found in Luke 15, 11, 32, where Jesus tells a parable like this. A man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to be impoverished. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed the swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pots that the swine were eating, and no one was giving him anything to him. But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread? But I am dying here with hunger. 
I will get up and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fattened calf, kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. And they began to celebrate. This is one of my favorite passages in the entire Bible. For I too was a prodigal son who was enslaved to sin and squandered God's estate in loose living for 28 years. But when the gospel penetrated my heart and I came to my senses, I realized I was sinning against a holy God. Being rich in mercy, like the father in the story who felt compassion for his son, God granted me repentance and forgiveness for my sins. Instead of receiving condemnation and the wrath that I deserved, God gifted me his grace and justification through faith in Christ and his death on the cross and resurrection. I repented and believed. Beloved friends, I invite you to do the same. So please answer the call to salvation. One day every knee will bow and confess that Jesus is Lord. You have the opportunity to bow today. Don't wait another day for tomorrow is not guaranteed. Today is the day of salvation. Isaiah 55, 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. I end today's episode with this. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Beloved friends, please feel free to share the podcast and all the episodes with friends and family on your social media platforms or wherever you feel led to. My ultimate goal in prayer is that the gospel of Christ is proclaimed and God gets the glory. Don't forget to subscribe and continue tuning in. I also invite you to send any comments or questions you would like addressed or answered in future episodes to redeemandregenerated at gmail.com. This is your host, Alex Mateo, with the Redeem and Regenerated podcast. May God bless you all.